Well, good morning, church. We are in week number four of this series, Teach Us to Pray. We're walking through the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Luke 11. He also taught on this during the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. And the reason we're doing that, the reason we're going through this series phrase by phrase over the summer here is because of a couple reasons. One, I think because of all the stuff that we're going through in 2020, the year that we wish, you know, could just, we could end right now and start over. Um, I think this prayer can be so immensely helpful for us in the time and place in which we find ourselves. I, I, I mean, every single phrase of this prayer, I think, can help us. And the second reason is because really every single phrase, uh, I think, is, is, it's kind of like a prayer unto itself that, again, can help us through this season. So let's kind of do a quick rewind to catch you up uh, or to remind you of what we talked about. The first phrase, we're addressing God, our Father, which art in heaven. It's all about who God is. It's about uh, coming before Him, acknowledging who He is, drawing near to Him. That, that prayer is rooted in relationship. And this is how we draw near to our Father who's in heaven, who's far away and yet He's close. And though we may be socially distanced right now and we are, are physically removed from one another and the church and maybe people we love, the one thing that we cannot afford is to be distanced from our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so our Father, which art in heaven, it again draws us back in and reminds us that we are rooted in a relationship with God, that we've been adopted into His family. And then the second, the second phrase that we looked at last week is a continuation of that first phrase. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow His name is to set it apart. And so when we hallow His name, we come to Him with a heart of worship. We come in adoration and in awe because we are all living in crazy, chaotic times. And some of y'all are, are overwhelmed or discouraged or frustrated. You're done. Man, it's chaos. And what we need is to be able to come before the throne of God, to be reminded of who He is and what He has done, and to, be, to, to, to come in adoration and awe so that He can give us perspective. So that in the midst of our chaos and the times and the trying times in which we're, we're living, that He can bring us back on course and remind us of what is real and true and, and He can bring us perspective again. Hallowed be Thy name. Now this week we're jumping into another phrase that is, is big and it may be what I believe is, is the hardest one of all for us, particularly for us as Americans, particularly in the year 2020. You know, on a day or a weekend where we celebrate the 4th of July, Independence Day, all things America, right? Uh, this may be the most anti-American prayer we can pray. It is a tough prayer to pray, but I believe if we come with hearts like the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. There's a hunger to grow and to learn. I believe that if we come with that kind of spirit today, that God will speak to us and God will 
help us, that God will will work in us, and that this, this phrase, man, it may mess with you, and it should mess with you today. You know, can I say this? I'm an American. I love America. I'm wearing red, white, and blue today, right? I don't know if you noticed, but I, I, I'm so grateful for our freedoms and a lot of the things we enjoy as, as Americans living in this land. But I want to make sure that we understand this, because I think sometimes we as Christians can get confused in this area. Just because something is American does not make it automatically Christian. There are some things that we could describe as the American way that don't necessarily equate with Christ's way. Are you feeling me? Do you you hear what I'm saying? So some of the things that we talk about today, I think this prayer in itself, it strikes at the heart of, of of the American spirit that I see like flourishing in our land right now. And it's not a good thing. It's not a, a Christ-like way, though it may be the American way. And so I want to dive right in. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10. The next phrase Jesus teaches us to pray is this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, if we're talking, you know, 21st century English, we're talking about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about God's kingdom. It's the word thy, it means your. It's a, it's a possessive word. We're talking about God's kingdom and God's will. God's will. I remember when I first came to Christ and began to hear this phrase over and over, the will of God or God's will, I was confused. What does that, what does that mean? It simply means what God wants, what God desires. And so when we pray, thy will be done, God, your will be done, we're saying, God, what you want, what you desire is what I want. I'm putting aside my wants and my desires, and I'm submitting myself to your wants and your desires. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let me read you a quote from Reggie McNeil that I think is really helpful when we think about this idea of God's kingdom and God's will. The kingdom saga reveals the extent God has and will go to so people can experience the life he intended, even to the point that he wraps himself in human flesh and visits the planet to show us the life he had in mind. The kingdom was the dominant narrative of Jesus who constantly talked about the kingdom of God over 90 times in the Gospels. And he instructed his followers to pray for the kingdom of heaven to come on earth. He established the church, charging it with the responsibility to introduce the kingdom to the world, to point the way for people to experience life as God intends, the life of the kingdom, here and now. In his life and teaching, Jesus evidenced much more concern about bringing heaven to earth than focusing on how to get from earth to heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it's all about being representatives of God's kingdom uh, here on earth. It's all about submitting ourselves to, to what God wants and not what we want. So to pray this prayer is to say two things that I think are really, again, really helpful for us 
if we will latch on to them, they'll be really helpful for us in this time. Two things that we're saying when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Number one is this, I can't wait for the future reality. I can't wait for the future reality. Just like Reggie McNeil said, Jesus' life and his, his teaching and his ministry was all about the kingdom of God. There was this theme that permeated everything that he did. And it wasn't about the kingdom which was going to come. It was about the kingdom coming to earth right now, being visible. He said some of his first words when he preached were, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is, is near. It's here. It's, it's close. It's not just later and far away. It's here and it's, it's now. But there is this future reality that when Jesus returns, he will physically establish his kingdom on earth, that, that, that heaven is coming to earth and God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we are crying out with hope, God, I can't wait. I can't wait for the future reality. Because when I look around at the chaos and the calamity of the world in which I live right now, it's very clear that what God wants is not fully happening right now on earth. But the encouraging thing, the promising thing, the hopeful thing is despite all the stuff going on around us right now in 2020, that one day, heaven will come to earth, that his will will be done. And so when we pray this, we say, God, I can't wait for that future reality to become a present reality. But there's a second thing. There's a second thing that we say when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here's what we're saying. We're saying this, God, I want you to rule and to reign over all God, I want you to rule and reign over all. I want you to rule and reign in me, and I want you, I want you to reign over all the earth. You know, Jeremy Treat, pastor and author of a book I've mentioned before, Seek First, he said this, God's reign begins in the human heart, but it will one day extend to the ends of the earth. When we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, I want you to, I know you, future reality, you, you are going to rule and reign over all the earth, but I want you to rule and reign now, starting in, in me, that you would sit on the throne of my heart, that it's not all about me and my way and my will and my kingdom, but it's about you and your way and your kingdom. I want you to rule in me and I want you to have your way. And I want you to rule and reign on this earth. I want you to be the king over all. This is a prayer, are y'all ready? Of submission. This is a prayer of, of submission. It says, not my way, but yours. God, I submit what I want to what you want. But here's the problem. And maybe you've already connected the dots. The problem is 
that this goes against everything within us. It goes against everything within us as human beings and as Americans. Because as humans, we stink at submission. We stink at submission, right? We're, we're sinners. We are sinners, which means that, that we want our way. We, you know, the root of sin is pride, which says, I will not be ruled by another. That's the root of, of sin is this pride that says, I will not be ruled by another. Started with Satan, it made its way to Adam and Eve, and it's continuing here and now through your life and my life. As human beings, our sin nature within us rises up in pride and says, I will not be ruled by another. I want to go my way. As humans, we stink at submitting as Americans. I hate to say it. I'm in this category with y'all. As Americans, we stink at submission. Admit it. If you can't admit it, it's because you're stubborn. It's because you're an American, right? We stink at submitting. And if there's anything that defines the American spirit, there's a lot of good things that define the American spirit. But if there's anything that defines the American spirit, in my opinion, it's pride. Pride. And I'm not talking the Lee Greenwood, I'm proud to be an American kind of pride. I'm talking about biblical pride that says, I will not be ruled by another. Y'all, that's the American way, but it's not the Christian way. It may be the way that many, if not most, Americans live, but it is not the way that Christ lived or has called us to live. This is a prayer of submission that calls us to submit under the authority of God. And God has called us to be submissive people. You know, the Constitution is such a great document, you know, governing our nation. But one of the, the bad fruits of the Constitution is that it's caused this American attitude, which is an unbiblical attitude that says, I have my rights. I have my rights. You know, if I could sum this up, the way it kind of fleshes out in the American people or the American spirit, which is all over the place today. It's kind of, it, it's permeating social media right now. It's the spirit that says this, I will not do something unless I want to do it. I will not do something unless I want to do it. And you can't make me. And you can't make me. All right. And, and I'm telling you, some of you are going to get frustrated by this, and maybe you need to get riled up a little bit right now. When God riles us up, it's kind of like the warning light on your dash. It's, it's flashing at you saying, hey, pay attention. There's something here. I, I want your attention. There's something I want to talk to you about. This is the American way. This isn't the way of Christ. Let me ask you a question, all right? Do you have an opinion about COVID-19? Do you have an opinion about wearing masks? 
All right? Of course you do, right? Everybody does. But you know, a year ago, you, I mean, you never could have convinced me that one of these things, right? One of these little things would so divide our country. It would cause, like, cause people to come unglued. Like the division, you know, around the simple topic of wearing a mask in public. My mind is blown. I never would have guessed it. I never would have guessed it. You know what? So I have an opinion about wearing masks in public. You want to know what it is? Then ask me. I will tell you. If you ask my opinion on anything, I will share it with you. I will be honest with you. The problem is nobody is asking anybody their opinion of everything, anything. Everybody's telling everybody what they're thinking about all manners of, of things. And if you don't disagree, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to tell you why you're an idiot. And I'm going to tell you why you're a fool. This is the tone of our nation right now. And man, I, I expect that. I expect that kind of nonsense from the world. But y'all, the church is full of this right now. The American spirit is, is coming out in full force. And it's a spirit that says, I will not be ruled by another. I will not do what I don't want to do. And you can't make me. And y'all, listen, I don't care if you want to wear a mask or not. It's so much deeper than this because listen everybody's got an opinion it's okay to have an opinion it's about what you do with your opinion that matters because here's here's what i want to say about this listen to me now i feel like some of us we get online and we totally like we have we have amnesia like we we have identity amnesia we totally forget who we are we see things posted or we see ideas that we, we don't agree with or we see ideas that we do agree with. And we have totally thrown our identity out the window. We forget who we are or maybe who we really are comes to the surface. And we, we, as followers of Jesus, as the redeemed people of Jesus, we have been left here for a reason. The reason that we have been left on earth is not to enjoy life. It's not to be comfortable. It's not to have our way and to have uh, everything revolve around us like it's all about our little kingdom. No, the reason that we've been left on earth is to share the good news of the gospel. And some of us get online and we forget that that's who we are and what we've been called to do. And we're not sharing good news. We're not sharing the good news of Jesus. We're sharing a whole lot of, not truth, but a lot of opinions. And some of us are mad and we're angry and we're, we're, we discount and we dismiss people and we make veiled comments and we write people off. And some of us are arguing with people and just all manner of nonsense. And I'm telling you, this isn't what God has called us to do, regardless of your opinion on the matter. 
God has called us to share our faith in Christ, not to share our every opinion. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says that he's trusted to us the, the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says that we're now ambassadors for Christ, that he has made us new. He's reconciled us to God and given us a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God, reconciling people to one another. This is the message and the ministry we've been given. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation, that we bring people together, that we bring people to God. And yet some of us are living as if our mission, as if our responsibility isn't to be an ambassador of reconciliation, but it's to be an agent of division. It's to speak our mind into everything. It's to, it's to comment rudely or to say this or to, you know, give our two cents on everything that is not edifying people or bringing people together, but it's, it's continuing to divide. This isn't the ministry or the message that Jesus has given us. And some of us have gotten so far off track. We've forgotten who we are and what we're here for. We need to stop telling the world what we think and feel, and we need to start talking to God about how we think and feel. Some of you aren't even praying about this. You're just spouting off, and you've, yet you've not prayed to God about any of this. And so, of course, you're having no wisdom or discernment about what you're saying because you haven't brought it before our Father or art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Because if we would hallow his name and remember who he is and what he's done, and he would bring us back into this right perspective, it would cause us to have this, not this attitude of, I will not be ruled by anybody or anything else. It would humble us. It would give us a spirit of submission that would cause us to actually, from our hearts, be able to truly say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not about my kingdom and my will. God, it's about yours. Some of us, y'all, have lost our way and we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We need to stop publicly proclaiming my kingdom, my will. We need to start privately praying thy kingdom, thy will. And you know, I want to be honest about this. This, I haven't gone unscathed in this. In, in our neighborhood, the neighborhood in which I live, this past week, they, they implemented a three-way stop in a road that was a through road. They have put in stop signs to make a three-way stop. And there's a lot of uproar in our neighborhood on both sides of this issue, all right? And I'm one of the ones who hates it. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here going, who is running this place? Why did we do this? Who thought this was a good idea? And, and, and kind of my frustration with it, I'm kind of like, 
I'm not going to stop at this three-way stop. This makes no sense. This is dumb. And you know what I found? Is that I sound like one of these people that is saying, I will not be ruled by anyone. I will not do something unless I want to do it. And you can't make me. And what I found is every time I pull up to a stop, one of those stop signs in my neighborhood now, I stop and I'm reminded and I'm convicted that I'm to be a person who submits. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my will. It's not about my way. It's about God's kingdom and His will and His way. Which means I am to be a person who submits. I'm called to be someone who submits. I have, as, as someone redeemed by Jesus, I've been called to submission. Not to weakness, but to submission. There is a difference because some of us get this idea that to submit is to be weak. And that is not true. That is not the case. As if not submitting makes us strong. No, no. If we are unable to submit, that indicates that we are actually weak. You know, Jesus himself in Luke 22, verse 42, in his last moments before he went to the cross, he was in agony because he knew what lay before him. And he prayed to his Father who is in heaven. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Father God, he acknowledged him as Father and he said, I, don't, I know what's ahead for me and I don't want to do it. I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to suffer. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And are you going to call Jesus weak because he submitted to the will of his Father? Because submission by Jesus to the will of his Father is what has given you and me freedom from our sins. His submission to the will of his Father has brought reconciliation between us and God. It's okay to pray, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't like this. I don't agree with this. God, I don't want to go through with this. But what's most important is that we say, God, whatever your will is, I submit my will to yours. Not my will, but thy will be done. Listen, again, I am in the same boat as you are. I tend to live my life more with the attitude of my kingdom and my will than I do thy kingdom and thy will. 
That is why I have this, this tattoo on my arm. It's a crown, it's, it's, it reminds me that it's not about my kingdom, that I'm living for another kingdom, that I'm living in submission to another king, that I don't rule my life, that I don't rule this world, but Jesus does. It's a reminder to me in my face every single day Y'all, I want to end this morning with this prayer out of, again, the, the, the Valley of Vision, this collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. It is a prayer called the Convicting Spirit. The Convicting Spirit. Thou blessed Spirit, author of all grace and comfort, come work repentance in my soul. Represent sin to me in its odious colors that I may hate it. Melt my heart by the majesty and mercy of God. Show me my ruined self and the help there is in him. Teach me to behold my creator, his ability to save, his arms outstretched, his heart big for me. May I confide in his power in his love, commit my soul to him without reserve, bear his image, observe his laws, pursue his service, and be through time and eternity a monument to the efficacy of his grace, a trophy of his victory. Make me willing to be saved in his way, perceiving nothing in myself but all in Jesus. Help me not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, be conformed to him, follow him, imperfect, but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, but thankful for my state. Give me that faith which is the means of salvation and the principle and medium of all godliness. May I be saved by grace through faith, live by faith, feel the joy of faith, do the work of faith. Perceiving nothing in myself, may I find in Christ wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. And oh God, today, may you by your spirit convict us in the areas in which we need convicting. Lord, this, this sermon has been hard to preach because the sermon is hard to live. God, you know my tendency, you know our tendency to live by our kingdom and our will and our way. Lord, it's, it's the natural tendency of our human sinful hearts. God, it's the natural way of us as Americans, and yet, God, this isn't the way of Christ. And so, Lord, I come to you. Lord, I come to you on behalf of your people today. God, would you forgive us? We repent of our failure to live in humility. We repent of our 
failure to live as submissive people. We repent of the spirit that says we don't want to be ruled by anyone or anything. God, would you, would you humble us under your mighty hand? Would you help us to re represent you? Would you help us to be ambassadors of reconciliation? carrying this message and this ministry. Lord, remembering who you have called us to be. And so God, help us to live and to walk in wisdom. May this be the prayer of our hearts. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.